0: and are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Hi,
1: Terry here. My sister and co-host Bridget is out of the country and can't join us for this episode, but rest assured she will be back for our season review next week. If you've listened to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast before, you know we end each episode encouraging people who are hurting and struggling to speak up and ask for help. And on the other side of that equation, if someone trusts you enough to talk to you, to be a good human and listen, and to try to help them in their time of need. Today's guest, Travis Pipes, is living proof, literally, of how critically important and life-saving that call for help and its answer can be. Travis Pipes had the kind of energy and drive that worked in high-pressure environments.
2: Taking on a million different projects and moving a million miles an hour with a million balls in the air.
1: His drive and intensity were an asset in his career. He was a young man
2: living the dream. I was a project manager at an advertising agency in San Francisco for about six years. So I worked in like this, you know, really high-paced, client-driven delivery environment at this agency, working on different pitch campaigns for car companies and gaming companies and entertainment and all that kind of stuff.
1: Travis describes himself as on top of his game at that point. But unbeknownst to him, there were two forces working to bring him down. His energy was in part mania from his, as yet undiagnosed, bipolar disorder. And the meth and alcohol he used to self-medicate would become addictions.
2: I was essentially homeless. I'd been living out of a backpack for a couple of months, hadn't taken a shower in three months, hadn't shaved... You know, I had literally fifty bucks to my name in my pocket. I was on the very, I was on the verge of being overwhelmed and living in the gutter. And who knows where that's going to go? When you're in that situation in the big city.
1: There's a line in a Bob Dylan song: "When you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose." But Travis discovered otherwise one night.
2: I had kind of reached my breaking point. Um, I was in this hotel in San Francisco's Tenderloin, a flop house hotel, not a p- nice, savory place, not a place you'd want to be. And a domestic um, situation erupted into the hallway, and the male in this situation tried to kick my door into my hotel room. So I was literally bracing myself up against this door at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I had a moment of clarity and realized, if I die right now, nobody will even notice. Nobody would even know. I just decided in that moment, I thought, this is going to be it. If if I don't use this as a motivational tool to try and get out of the situation and do something about it, that I am going to end up dead. But you know what would be worse than that? In the moment, I thought I would continue to go on living the way that I was.
1: Travis dug through his possessions looking for phone numbers he'd never called of people who might be able to help. A post-it note stood out with Kevin's number. He didn't know who Kevin was, how he could help, or if he'd even answer at 4 in the morning. But Travis was desperate.
2: And he answered the phone and he asked me how I was doing. You know, at that time in my life, I was not having you know, connected conversations of people in a way that you would because of my addiction. I had burned a lot of bridges. I'd lost a lot of those relationships and I was desperate and alone and kind of at the crossroads of of my life in some regard. And, you know, I had that opportunity to answer him. I said, I'm not doing great. You know, I told him I'm not doing great, Kevin. We talked and he stayed on the phone with me and we put together a plan of action and I ended up going to treatment the next day. So. Being inspired to make a phone call, which is what I did in that moment, is the reason why I'm here today. You know, I had a plan to take my own life. And if Kevin doesn't answer the phone, I'm not having this conversation.
1: So you and I may be unlikely to wake a stranger at home in the middle of the night, but we don't have to. That's what 24-hour hotlines are for, if no one else is available. The point is there is great strength and self-preservation in asking for help. It is available, and it can make a profound difference. In this case, Kevin, a suicide attempt survivor himself, knew the importance of connection, treatment, and follow-up, and he patiently and compassionately listened to and guided Travis.
2: Well, he told me uh, that he wasn't going anywhere. Um, you know, he was there to talk me through my emotions in the moment, which were, you know, I was pretty scared, Um He was like, you know, let's talk about what the options are. Have you considered going to, you know, a serious inpatient program where you can really focus on your recovery and your treatment and really put everything else off, you know, that you're dealing with in your life to the side? You know, and he just kind of reassured me. And, you know, he's like, we're going to get through this and you're going to call me when you hang up the phone later this morning. He made me, you know, we we made some commitments. I don't want to say he made me, but I made some commitments in the moment. You know, he's like... I need you to call your family and talk to them because they are scared and they miss you and they want to know you're okay. And those are all things I didn't really believe. You know, I didn't believe any of that stuff. I thought I was, I thought I was not worth anybody's time. And I thought my parents and my family and other people in my life, you know, I felt like a burden to them. So I wasn't really reaching out. And it was just, I kind of look at it as, I don't want to say divine or intervention because I don't know how much I look into the role the spiritual power in my life, but, I think that that happened for a reason, and it kind of set me off on a new trajectory.
1: Travis's new trajectory has included inpatient hospitalization, 12 step work, therapy, a formal diagnosis just six months ago, and a combination of meds. He's sober and back to work, combining his love of sports writing and his new passion, mental health advocacy. His podcast, Wide Open Looks, is on Mental
2: Health News Radio. Mental health and being able to talk about some of those things, especially when you're in a position, um, whether you're an athlete or a coach or some other influencer in the world of sports, I think that there's a really good opportunity now to kind of shine a light on those things. And the reception that I've experienced has been, for the most part, I'd say it's 99% positive. People want to talk about that kind of stuff. We see stories about people talking about their struggles with anxiety and mental health, and it's incredible. And I think that's empowering to... Not just the general public, but like, you know, as a fan of an organization or a fan of a team, it's another way to sort of relate and focus on the similarities rather than the differences in in the world.
1: The difference in Travis's world is night and day. The call he made that morning was, to use both a religious and sports term, his Hail Mary. And with it, and all the hard work that followed, Travis is seeing and experiencing the world in a way he, only a few years ago, Believed impossible.
2: Yeah, life is uh, life is amazing. Life is beautiful, and I think one of the things I appreciate most about it is, you know, I struggle with some depression. I have depression is definitely a part of my experience um, in some context. But you really have to embrace the beauty and the struggle of life, and to find some meaning. And I think I've, I think I've done that to a certain extent. I guess to my own standards over the last couple of years. I know I'm not perfect, and my life isn't perfect in every way, but. I've created something now the last, you know, however many years since I've tried to get into program and try and change some things that I'm proud of. And I stick by that um, now more than ever. And I think I'm better for the experience.
1: So I wanted to keep Travis's story Travis's, but there is an interesting side story here. The Kevin he called that morning from the hotel is Kevin Hines. He's one of the rare survivors of a suicide attempt from the Golden Gate Bridge. In mental health circles, he has almost celebrity status since his story is so unique. But you don't have to be a suicide attempt survivor or a psychiatrist or an expert in depression or suicidality to save a life. There are programs like QPR, which is like CPR but for mental health, and mental health first aid classes that will teach you how to have those difficult conversations. We also always recommend that you put the number of the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, we'll link to it, but it's 800-273-8255 or 800-273-TALK in your phone so that you can call it if you're ever in a situation that you don't know how to handle alone. And Dr. Barbara Moser with Prevent Suicide Greater Milwaukee shared her compassionate expertise in two episodes of this podcast, which we'll link to. The point is that when people say, reach out for help. It's there. They mean it. And Travis is living proof. Thank you, Travis, for sharing your story. And thank you, as always, for listening. Bridget will be back next week.
0: We hope that these shared stories bring out a little more understanding or help people articulate their experiences of depression a little more clearly or more freely